Hi everyone, this is Takatoshi Shibayama, the host of the Future Design Podcast. This podcast looks to empower listeners with perspectives on how we can challenge the social norm and evolve with better understandings of philosophy, spirituality, and ethics. Empowered individuals can have much stronger voice and influence in bringing about revolutionary changes in the world, whether you are building businesses or technologies. My guest and I speak about social constructs that are commonly accepted in the world today that's not working anymore, and how to rebuild them with ethical values to create a better future. In this episode, we have Jerry Zare, the author of Peacemaker's Path, Multi-Faith Reflections, The Deep in Your Spirituality. In it, he talks about how all religions are the same. There's a profound spirituality laced between all religions, but we need to explore it, breaking through the barriers of organized religions and look at the fundamental of what the founders of these teachings wanted to enlighten us about. When we seek the quest for peace amongst all of humanity and sentient beings, we need to open our eyes to the path that connects us all. By loving ourselves, we can love others, and then the positivity will permeate throughout this world. So, without further ado, please enjoy this week's episode. Future Design Podcast. Welcome to the Future Design Podcast. Thank you for being on our show, Jerry Zare. Thank you for inviting me. It's good to be here, and I look forward to our conversation today. It's totally my honor. So you recently published a book called The Peacemaker's Path, and you talk about interfaith uh, religions. So there's a cross between various religions and how we can rise above these words of religion and really get to the core of everything. And I really like that because in my Future Design podcast, I talk about spirituality without too much religious aspects to it. Although I had Buddhist monks, uh, pastors on my podcast, but it seems like everybody does kind of kind of reach to a similar goal. And this is why I really wanted to talk to you because you have a very, very topical uh, subject. So let's right before we dive right into it, uh, could you tell us uh, who is Jerry Zare? Well, I, I would say I'm a, a seeker, a person uh, being open uh, to learning and, and enjoy life, uh, laughter, play, have fun. Although it's interesting because I grew up in an Amish Mennonite background. And the Amish Mennonite are a very conservative, kind of legalistic uh, small sect where actually the Amish don't even use electricity. So my grandparents, when I would go visit them, um, I didn't like it as a grandparent child because I you know I did they didn't have a TV they, they didn't have a phone they, they didn't have any of those things but um, I grew up with this kind of very small view about God in fact for them everyone uh, was going to go to hell if you didn't if you were Baptist Catholic let alone Hindu or Muslim you were going to go to hell because they believed they were really had the truth uh, and and they saw themselves uh, holding on to that and there was a lot of um, uh, talking about we needed to be humbled we needed there was a lot of guilt uh, be afraid of God and you needed to you know, don't drink, don't dance, don't smoke. And so I, I, I carried a lot of uh, shame and guilt and, and kind of fear of God growing up. And um, even though they meant, I understand what they were trying to do. They wanted people to toe the right line. Don't go, get into temptations. Don't fall into all the things. What it really did was, at least for me, and I think for many people, when you come out of a fundamentalist religion, um, it made me very um, low self-esteem, didn't feel I was worthy. Um, and, and so it's been a journey for me to find a sense of self-worth, loving myself, loving and caring for other people, and seeing God in a much broader and bigger way um, that, than just a small parochial point of view. Yeah, I understand. And the, why did you really want to speak about this topic? Because th there must have been something that really fired you in your soul that I want to write about this book. There's something that I have to leave a message to this world. That, what is that for you? 
Well, a part of it is uh, since I've been in ministry, you know, I I went in as a second career because I was in the entertainment business in my 20s, found it very unfulfilling. And I found myself going into ministry as a seeking a connection. And again, as I said, a broader understanding of God. So I've always been committed to seeing that people around the world are, are all children of God and that we have so much more in common. But especially today, it seems like um, things are so polarized. People are are over against one another. And there's always a sense within religion, I've got the truth and you don't, and I'm right and you're wrong. And and there's a sense that people are 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 you know spiritual, but they don't understand and I, the the kind of broad view of God that I have, and how much more we have in common, and so I wanted to write this book, so that people could appreciate and learn about some of the different faith traditions and see how we can be peacemakers and bring healing to our world. Yeah, I I think about that quite a lot as well. So I'm a person that traveled around the world, lived in different places around the world. I I grew up. Oh, well, I was born in Japan. Grew up in the U.S. And for work, I worked, started in Japan, I went to the UK, uh, I traveled around Europe, and now I'm in Southeast Asia, so I lived in Hong Kong and Singapore. And what I find is that fundamentally, even though we look different, we're from different co- countries, we have different cultures, fundamentally we are the same. You know, We worry about the same things, we love the same things, uh, our deepest you know, values could be pretty much the same thing. And it's, I think it's just the way to express it, the way that we formulate these values or ideas are a little bit different. And then I think if people don't travel enough and meet people from very different countries, and I know America is multi-ethnical, um, you know, multicultural, but actually America is really America. You know, everybody formulates some kind of America. But once you step out and let's say you go to Europe or Asia or Africa, and you find that you know they're actually different you know even they, even if they're black or or you know brown or yellow or whatever you want to call them you know they're all the same so i do have that kind of message that i want to bring out to the world as well but uh, you know this show i want to talk to you about it and uh, i'd love to kind of dive in right into your book so your book comprises of uh, six themes so starting from one it's called theme one walking the enlightened path so let's dive into that. What do you mean by that? Well, walking the enlightened path is really um, a part of that journey that that I think your listeners, probably people who are listening to this are on that journey too, because they're already being open um, to new ideas and wanting to learn and grow. Um, walking the enlightened path is is that whole sense of, you know, when Buddha became awakened and they said, oh, are, are you, you know, a shaman? No. Are, are you this holy man? No. He said, what are you? He says, I'm awake. And I think there is a sense when we start to realize that there's more than just this reality. Science is only, you know, shows one dimension of that. But there are many, as we know in science, quantum physics, there are many different dimensions in the universe. And there's much more. I always say we are not human beings on a spiritual journey, but we are spiritual beings on a human journey. And that's a shift. Um, I, I think you're right that people who travel uh, are exposed to other people. But honestly, I know some people who still travel, but they have a very closed-minded. You know, they, they, they have a set point of view, and it's like, this is who I am, this is what I want to believe, and it's tough. And, and unless you are open um, to the wonder and mystery, um, I think that's a challenge. I have friends who will say, you know, I just believe in science. I don't believe any of that other stuff. It's all hocus-pocus, and, and, and I just I can only will believe what I can prove with my own eyes. But uh, in reality, as we grow older, and like I have, and you know, you have experiences, and life is not black and white. There's a lot of gray. There's a lot of things that we can't explain, experiences that we've had that are uh, maybe mystical, spiritual, um, that, that we can't just you know, prove mathematically. 
So Walking the Enlightened Path is the first chapter of this. Now, in the book, and I should say, it's set up with six themes. It's 40 days. It's really a book that anybody can take. It's not a book of theology. The book was set up so that you could take, a, it's because it's for 40 days, uh, each for six weeks, so you could read a daily. One uh, takes about 15 minutes to have you read my reflection, read the scriptures from the different faith traditions. Uh, then there's a prayer from a faith leader. Then there's some questions for you to reflect on that you can either write, journal, or just even reflect on yourself. So that's the, the, the setup for the book is that um, these six themes, I believe, are in all of our faith traditions. But I want people to be able to, to read the book um, and, and not be too over the head, but to stimulate them to think about and realize, wow, I didn't realize that the Quran speaks about loving your enemy or that the Baha'i or the Sikh scriptures, that most people have never read those scriptures. But once they maybe read these and they go, wow, that's, that's beautiful. And, and I can see how uh, the theme of, uh, you know, these about compassion or, or forgiveness is actually in all of the world religion. The great teachers have brought to us truth is truth. Yeah. And why do you think a lot of people think that, uh, you know, one religion is very different from the other? And that's why we have these religious wars. We have conflicts in, you know, let's say Middle East. But fundamentally, as you say, I, I do believe that all religions teach about ethics and how to be courteous to each other, how to love each other, how to be a better person and, you know, walk the path of being enlightened or awakened in that sense. And maybe there is a expression called heaven, but I mean, that heaven could be actually, you know, heaven on earth, not really a mystical place that you go when you die. Right. And that's kind of what we're looking for is finding that that light in, in us. And why do you think that all these religions uh, come to this Oh, well, not all, but why do you think religions come to this kind of conflict all the time? Well, I think for many people, they grow up in a certain area, whatever country you're in, and maybe they grow up as a Muslim or grow up as a Buddhist or grow up in a certain faith tradition, and that's what they know. That's where they live. You know, they're, most people are just kind of de dealing with their daily lives. They're just trying to get through life, raising their kids, earn a living. So many times people aren't even thinking in these bigger pictures like you and I enjoy. We enjoy that exploration. And, and there's a lot of us who do, but a lot of people will just kind of take that teaching that that was passed on to them by their parents or maybe their priest or minister or imam. Um, and then I think some of the leaders in our countries use religion uh, to beat up on each other because it's, it's like they use it to say, oh, we have the truth. And if we have the truth, we're right and you're wrong. I, I think in our own human evolution, our human consciousness, we have a competitive part of us. The idea of being equal or, you know, di valuing diversity is really a spiritual um, level of enlightenment. And, and uh, in my book, I talk about Dr. Fowler, James Fowler, has um, his writing on the stages of spiritual development. And, you know, there's early on, as you're a young person, you know, life is black and white. And, and, and then as you grow in your life, you can see things a certain way and you stick, you stay in where those values are, those, those things of your beliefs are. To be able to say, this is what I believe, but I'm open to new understandings and willing to change some of my ideas if I make sense to me. That's... I mean, that's hard because that you're holding now, um, you're, you're holding on to your beliefs, but with an openness and that's being vulnerable, you know, Wait, I mean, we all want to, we, we don't like change. So I do think, um, in two ways, people don't like change and people kind of like to stay in the status quo. And then also the reason why people have, we seen conflicts between religion because people have used religion, um, and if there was no religion, they would use something else. 
you know, to justify their actions. It's kind of like when Saddam Hussein uh, wrapped himself as a Muslim and, and said, you know, we're going against the infidel. Well, Saddam Hussein in Iraq, he was never a devout Muslim, but he used that to uh, get the people to fight against the West. And so I do think it can turn people off because they say, well, look at all the violence in the world. You know, look at the way religion has been used in negative ways. And so they go, so I, I want nothing to do with religion or God. And I always say to people, don't blame God for our ignorance and our prejudice and our small-mindedness. Yeah, I think that when Jesus or Buddha or any prophet uh, that came up with their so-called religion, they didn't probably set up and say, this is my religion, right? They wanted to talk about a path to being a better person, you know, a loving person and being a better person. And once you start, and maybe it's in our nature to be tribalistic, you know, we want to categorize ourselves. We want to have a team. We want to have confidence and, you know, see the other person as a di or see the other team as different. And maybe that's innate in our nature. And that's something that we probably need to break through. And as you say, and once that religion uh, becomes overpowered by, you know, governmental power or some kind of force that governs it, then it becomes something completely different because the religion itself, the teaching itself, the philosophy itself doesn't really have any color to it. Once the people touch it and then create it or craft it in their own way, it can go towards, you know, malicious ways. It could go for, you know, uh, you know, very righteous ways or, you know, nice ways. And I, f I feel that with technology as well. And I say this over over in my podcast, but it's the same. And then in the end, I feel like people are going to say, well, we don't want technology because it's creating dystopian futures. No, it's actually the people are making the dystopian, you know, futures. So I, that's why I think, you know, we need to kind of break through these tribalism, this, you know, oh, you know, you know, you being these religions being used as a tool to, you know, fight against one another. And what do you, how do you think that we can break from it? Because I think this is the most important part of, you know, the theme of your book as well is that unless we actually make a conscious decision to say, I want to be more enlightened, I want to see beyond the labels of religion and see what's the same with us, you know, there's some, there has to be some similarities amongst us, right? You have to take that step. How do you, how do we get people to take that initial step? Well, I, I, I think uh, they have to have that desire. I think what you're doing with your show is one, one way, you know, we can't solve the problems of the world. We can only do our part. So for me, I, I've tried to do it on a one-on-one, -on -one, building relationships, inviting people to my home, uh, inviting forums and events where I have people of different faith traditions so people can learn about them. And and I think it, it is th that way that people, um, when they say, I, I want to build a better world. I want to do this. Then you start to build those relationships. You start to learn. You start to to uh, expand your own group of friends and invite others. I, I think you're, you're right that, that this tribalism, which is a part of our human development, um, we are breaking forth, I believe, in a new spiritual awakening. We, we're in the beginning stages of it, though, where we've had, you know, very distinct religious but there are many people who are saying, I'm spiritual, but not religious, as you began in the beginning. They value, and, and so I come out of their Christian tradition. I value where I came out of, but I'm no longer st stayed in that one framework. And I see myself as a universalist, if you will, a person of humanity. I learned a lot from the teachings of Jesus, but I also have learned a lot from Buddha and the other faith traditions and other readers, other people who aren't even religious, but just great writers, philosophers, uh, scientists that, that have broadened my view of the world, but also broadened my view of each other. The question, what, why are we f seeing this polarity right now is because I believe um, as we have that experience of more people moving to a broader way, those people who are maybe stayed in their own status quo, who who felt like uh, this was the only answer, 
they see this diversity in people changing and they're scared. They're afraid because they feel like their, their point of view is going to get lost. I try to say to them, you know, you can always, you, you can be a Christian or a Muslim. There's nothing wrong with that value. Those are great you know, teachings, but be open that maybe it's not the only way to God. Be open to that. But, but it's out of fear. When people get rigid, people strike out um, a lot. And, and someone once said this, this isn't mine, but I don't know who quote, violence comes out of suffering. And so when, when we see violence, it's people because out of their own fear or their own struggles that they strike out in many ways. So my hope is, I, and I think what we're trying to do is to help bring that healing and unity um, is important to do. I, you know, we, when any times in the country, and we've just gone through this in the United States, when, when, when political leaders wrap their religion with their nation, you come a nationalism, and it gets very scary. So there were some in the United States who said, Christianity is our, you know, the main religion. It's all there is in this country. And, and they had a way of diminishing the other people. And these now were political leaders who were like, you know, wrap themselves in the flag and then wrap themselves in the cross of Christianity. Well, when you put those things together, it, it becomes very scary. And that's why in our country, there's a separation between state and religion. That's very important, I think, in all of our countries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I really agree. So just let's move on to the theme, too, the power of prayer. So I think a lot of the old, well, most religions have prayers, and they do it in a way that it's almost meditative in a way. So I, if I take, like, Buddhist chanting, I actually live right next to a Thai temple here. And every every day for five times, uh, I hear Buddhist chanting. And it's, a, it's very soothing in a way because you get that vibration, you got that chanting, even though I don't understand what they're talking about. But I think that's a way to kind of get into some kind of meditative state to calm themselves. You know, what do you think uh, the, the power of prayer is? Well, I, I, when I when it was younger, I thought of prayer like praying to God, trying to ask for my wish list. Okay, God, I need this. I need that. I need that. And God would decide to answer me or not answer me. And I had a concept of God like some being out there in the universe. Well, I've shifted from that, of course. I no longer see God as a being. You know, that was kind of an old idea of out there judging us, striking us down, or maybe giving us these things like Santa Claus. I see God as the ground spring of within us, the well-being, the the presence in all things. So for prayer is connecting with that within me, within myself. It's not so much about changing God as it is changing myself. So whether, uh, you know, we talk a lot about mindfulness now, and mindfulness is a form of prayer. Now, some people in their traditions, they pray like Muslims pray five times a day, or they have set times to pray. But I also, which is fine, but I also think that prayer can be a way of of um, being present in the moment, Prayer is like breathing. And so when you chant or you or you maybe you just sit in quiet meditation, it's really focusing, centering yourself. Uh, some people do yoga and yoga as a way of prayer. People don't think of that, but it can be because what it does is if prayer is about connecting with the divine, connecting with God, higher power, higher consciousness, whatever your word for that which is beyond us, that is prayer is connecting. And there's power in that prayer. Um, I can give, a, a and, and this is an example to me when people who are scientific uh, don't believe in prayer, of course, because they, they think that, you know, that's all energy and, and mumbo, mumbo jumbo. You know, it was interesting. I had had uh, cataract surgery when I was young. And this was 30 years ago. Now cataract surgery is nothing. So, you know, they do this 
outpatient. In those days, 30 years ago, it was a lot more detailed. And I was young, so my eye was very jelly. It wasn't rigid and hard as you get older. And when the surgeon uh, cut and took the cataract, it broke up in my eye. And some of it stayed in the eye, and he couldn't get it out. So he was hoping it would just flush out. Well, it didn't. Actually, the pieces of the cataract blocked my tear ducts. So I'm at home by myself. My wife, who is also a minister, um, we met in seminary, been married for 37 years and and uh, worked in as, as a person, a parish minister. But she was out going to go visit somebody uh, in the hospital. And I'm by myself. I'm starting to throw up. Uh, I'm starting to lose my balance because the pressure in my eye was now uh, getting ready to explode. And and if and if it had if there was no release it could have ruptured and I could have died. My wife is driving and she has this sense I must go home. There was something that was inside of her that she had such a connection with me, of our spirit to spirit. She literally turned the car around opposite, came home was there when I'm there throwing up and and, and can't hardly even I'm sweating I can't talk a lot. She took me to the emergency room, and I thought everything was fine. You know, there's there's uh, something that happens that energy cannot be destroyed. Again, scientifically, we know that quantum physics, and that energy is part of who we are. People who have animals know this. You know, you you have a dog, and 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 you're not even you're ten minutes away, but when you're on your way home, your your dog comes to the front door or to the window looking for you. They have a connection and energy with you. So so prayer can influence us and influence others. There is a ripple effect, I think, that happens that we can't explain, but we can experience. Mm, yeah, yeah. I, I never thought about being connected to one person, another person by prayer. But I do understand what you're saying is because I always thought, you know, as you said in the beginning, that it's more of connecting to myself because, you know, in my in my kind of I wouldn't say belief, but my understanding is that, you know, really the divine, you have to bring it out yourself. You know, there's no divine being. Maybe there is. Maybe there's a divine being, but it's more about you trying to be that divine person yourself and and that prayer is praying to yourself that you can actually be a better person it's not like a santa claus wish list that you ask for somebody but it's more about wishing to yourself that you can be a better person or these lux luck luckiness that comes to you or some kind of opportunity presents itself to you and but you have to bring that out yourself now i, I really believe Go ahead. I'm, I I think you're right, and but I want to invite you that that it isn't just ourselves. It's when you're also with a community of people, a group of people, that there can be an energy and power. I'll give you another example. When I was serving in a church uh, in Fort Wayne, Indiana, there was a number of of uh, drive-by shootings, a number of violence that had escalated, um, and. And I wouldn't even know if I would believe this if somebody told me if, if it wasn't for me, okay? So um, I had a member of our congregation. I just married this couple, and and she was murdered. There was a guy who was high on drugs. She was getting in her car. He came over. He was trying to rob her, grab her bag. She wasn't – she just was so surprised but because he was high on drugs. He, She thought – he thought she was fighting him. Anyhow, she killed him, right? I mean, it was terrible. It devastated. It hit home to us, this violence. Now, there was drive-by shootings, and there was also, you know, just, it, it was a, this, this town was a, a, a town of 100,000. This is not, we're not used to having a, a, a killing or a murder once a week. Before, it would be once a month, right, in the city. So now we're having this. So I started and gathered together with some faith leaders, and we started going when there would be a a, a killing, a shooting, somebody died. We would go to that spot, 
and sometimes you could still see the blood on the on the cement you know where that person had been killed and we would gather we would take some water and we would just use this water we would pray we would wash the 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 cement or where that person had been killed and somebody sang this song called heal the land and and it was symbolic of trying to wash this and we would join together we sang let there be peace on earth and we would pray together so the power of that happening so we started with 10 of us and by six months there was 30 to 50 people gathering on these times when this would happen and and what was amazing was we saw the incidence of violent crime and 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 of homicides decrease and never again was there a height when when i and i write about this in my book i show the statistics i show that you can go and google those years when i was there in 1991 um 92 93 in in that year was the highest of of violent homicides that there's ever been in this city so i believe that there is a ripple effect you know that can happen that can change minds and hearts and can even have that influence i mean can you imagine if if really if we all in the world really started praying for peace and focusing all on that like on the same day uh it would be pretty powerful now i believe i know that sounds a little out there okay but as i said uh, I don't think it's really out there. Maybe we, could, we should have a day of prayer for everybody at the same time in the world. You know, wherever, where, if it's midnight or whatever, you just wake up and, and do it. I, I think that's some, that can really help because then you feel a sense of unity across all humankind, which you don't, we really don't get to kind of experience in everyday life because now we have these mediums where you can show videos. People, I remember when COVID hit and people were locked up and I've seen... I think it was Spain or Italy, people were on their uh, porches on their uh, condominiums and they were playing music together and everybody was playing some kind of music. And that was beautiful. And if that can happen like on a global scale, I mean, how wonderful would that be? And then you'll start to think everybody's actually doing something together at the same time. Isn't that isn't that, you know, amazing because it, it just doesn't happen. Right. So, you know, maybe we should have some kind of prayer day or something like that. Well, I, and I think, you know, that's exactly, it isn't just even prayer. Music does that for us, right? Music lightens our hearts, lifts us, joins us together. It, it's any of those things that we can do that that join together in, in love and joy. We, when we lift up love and joy, we are embodying, we are giving presence of the divine, of that which is the essence of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I I agree. And in order to actually move forward with uh, how we become more unified with each other, I always feel that in order to love someone, first you got to take care of yourself. And if you're dealing with personal troubles, you know, there's something that you don't like about yourself or you're feeling stressed and, you know, there's something wrong with you, it's very hard to care for the other person. So, I I actually took, you know, in my personal life that if I had a lot of stress in my life, whether it might be my job or some personal issues that I was dealing with, I would try to take care of first. And it took a long time to realize that for myself to say, oh, I have to take care of myself first. I don't like my job. I'm treating my family in a way that I shouldn't be, you know, treating them. So I need to change that. So I changed my job. You know, a lot of things changed for me in my life. But I think that's something that we do have to take a, you know, concerned effort to 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 do in order for us to start being able to open to that path of enlightenment or some kind of achievement that we want uh, in order to love our uh, each other. Oh, I agree 100%. I think those are very wise words because really, you know, in, in the Christian tradition, we always talk about loving your neighbor as yourself. What we forget, we do 
we focus a lot on loving others. But first, Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. There's a sense of loving of yourself that we don't focus on. And a lot of people, I think, carry some shame and guilt. At least in our society in the United States, there's a lot of consumer mentality. It's never enough. You have to buy this. You got to look that. You know, there's high expectations. Uh, you have to produce. You have to become successful. And if and you aren't measuring up. So when you carry those feelings of inadequacy inside of you, that makes you become driven, and on you you never feel like your 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 soul is being fed, and. And how do we find ways of feeding our soul? It is about loving ourselves. There's a wonderful book called The Untethered Spirit. And again, I, I write about this, about inner peace in my book. And this was an instrumental for me. This book, um, The Untethered Spirit, was first, Oprah said this was one of the best books that changed your life. So I'm like, okay, I love Oprah. So I read this book. And the author of The Untethered Spirit talks about how we listen to all this within our, our brain. We have people who tell us advice, but we listen more to the critic in our, you know, and it's the voice inside of us that says, oh, you can't do that. Oh, why are you doing this? You're doing things. You need to do this. Da, 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 da. And it's this voice that comes maybe from our parents or from somebody else that that is almost, um, you know, if we describe that voice as a person, it would be this hard, critical, judgmental um, person, right? And if it would be a person out there, we'd say, oh, get away. I don't want anything to do with you. But because it's inside of us, we listen to that voice. We give that voice more credence than we do a therapist or, or somebody as a friend. You know, we might listen to our friend and they say, hey, you know, you need to do some things to take care of yourself or get a job. But inside we're going, oh, I can't do that. Oh, you know, they, they, they think that I'm, I'm this, but I know that I'm really not going to be able to do it or I just haven't done enough yet. And that voice inside, that critic voice is there and we let it stay in our brain rent free. So part of it is we need to change and we have the power to change what our thoughts are. We have the power to retrain ourselves. You know, so like when people would give me a compliment and I used to do it, I'd go, oh, that's okay. It's no big deal, right? I mean, I, I'd be like, oh, I don't want to sound like I'm prideful and, you know, and say. And now I go, when somebody gives me a compliment, well, thank you. And I take that in. Oh, that's nice. You said you like my book rather than, oh, well, it's no big deal. You know, I mean, I wrote a book, but what, who's going to read my book? Nobody's going to read it. Well, maybe only 20 people will buy my book, but 20 people will maybe like it. So I think that's a powerful thing for people to think about. And I just want your listeners to think about when, when maybe they're alone, what is that voice saying to them inside? And knowing that you can retrain that. So when I st would start to have negative thoughts like, um, I'll get done with my interview with you, and I go, oh, I should have said that. Oh, I didn't do that very well. I'll say, no, don't, don't even give that airtime. I did the best I could. In fact, I enjoyed it. It was fun. And, and, and we can feed our soul with different thoughts. Yeah. Uh, I had an episode with Jonathan Troen, and the title was A New Pathway to Success. And we talk exactly about that. We talk about, you know, we always measure or compare ourselves with our people around us or on, in the news or people on, 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 the, on the, yeah, in the media saying, this is a person who's success, successful. You know, this is Jeff Bezos. He's a multi-billionaire. We have to be that. If you're not an entrepreneur, you're not going to get there. You know, it's all, all these kind of really far away goalposts that we have uh, as, a, as a standard, which is completely unachievable. And it's always this relative value that we kind of look at ourselves and say, how am I measuring up to this person or that person? And it makes us really, really unsatisfied, dissatisfied you know, unhappy in that sense, right? And we have to start thinking about the absolute value of ourselves. How are you absolutely 
happy about yourself. And that's, that's something that you only see when you actually look at your own life and think about the positives and the negatives of your life. And if you want to make your life positive, then deal with the negatives first and deal with that first before you go to the positive because there's so many teachings out there focus on positivity you know be positive be positive be positive but if you don't deal with your negative life you can't be positive because you're still still going to drag that negativity across so so you know two things for me is you know think about absolute value of yourself and then deal with your negativities first and i think that's kind of the pathway to loving yourself which is the theme three of your book and you know i should have said that in the beginning but uh and then you know i think that the next step uh, that you talk about is the actions and impact so can you dive into that a little bit more is that is it that you want so once you love yourself what do you do next is that is that the theme and I, I think you're right, though, that, uh, you know, once we we have to find meaning in our life, we have to find ways to feed our soul. Um, and, and that's so important. Um, you know, when I was in the entertainment business, I was out in L.A. I had done 50 musicals and, and dramas. Uh, I performed, sang on the Johnny Carson show. I, 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 you know, I performed in all this different things. But. I thought it was going to bring me fame and fortune, but inside I was empty. Inside I was empty. And, and, and I was drinking a lot. I was going out. I was, because I was, I was uh, medicating my own depression, my own sense of emptiness. Um, and that's when I had to get out of that life. Um, you know, it's like some people are in a job that they just are miserable in, but the money's so good that they say, I can't leave. But if it's killing your soul, you have to find a new way. And so that's when I began on the spiritual journey of finding a way. And I found such fulfillment when I was helping other people. I loved being journey with people and sharing with them on the spiritual journey. Um, and so you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not a millionaire in money, but I'm a millionaire in blessings. My life has been so rich. I have so many people who have impacted me and I feel so full of goodness and love of life. And so I think you're right that, um, in when we look at caring for ourselves, then we have something to give somebody else. And then that's the actions and impact or, you know, sometimes we use the words karma. Um, and uh, karma is the same teaching that Jesus had in you reap what you sow. Jesus says, you reap what you sow. What you put out there will come back to you. A karma is that same principle in Buddhism and Hinduism. We see that principle as a, as a uni kind of universal law um, that I believe is there. And that begins with your thought for because your thought shapes into your actions. Your actions become your character. Your character shapes your future into your destiny. And so, um, you know, what what do we want to manifest? What do we want to bring into the world? Um, and that happens by a lot by what we read, what we put in. You know, I'm very sensitive to how much news I watch. Because I, when you listen to the news, the world is going to hell. Every, you know, if you just listen to news, you think, my gosh, I better, I better just you know, shoot myself because it's terrible. But it isn't that way. Actually, I have a, um, and there's a website called Good News Network. And I go to that website, and they have all these wonderful stories of people doing things around the world. Now, we never hear those stories on the news because the news is always about slash and trash and they love, you know, the burning pe people want to know all about what's terribly going on. And it's OK. We need to hear a little bit about that. But but how much do I want to let my soul and my mind and my brain get in, get flooded with that? So I watch how much I listen um, how much I read on those terms. I want to be educated. I want to know what's going on in the world, but I don't want, you know, they say people watch TV six hours a day. There are some people who that's all they listen to, you know, is the stock market and news, you know? Well, you know, I are, are anyway. So I think 
I think that's the beginning of thinking about a law of attraction. Um, what do we want to manifest? And it will come back to us. Hmm. Yeah, I, I've actually cut down quite a lot of news reading as well, especially during the pandemic, because I did, all, all I see is like how many thousand people are getting COVID and dying and all these things. I just really limit to myself with like economic news. But then again, it, it has a lot of negative uh, news out there as well. So I don't even know what to watch anymore these days. So I, I do I understand that putting in negativity or being around the people who are always negative also is something that really you know hurts your soul as well. So you know I try to make an effort to step back and try to be more positive around people who are negative and try to you know, bring that out to them so that they could allow them to feel maybe there is some positive things that I can do or I can feel about this day. Uh, I, you know, these days, you know, especially because I'm in business, I feel that a lot of our relationship has become so transactional. You know, it's like, how can I benefit the, the, this person? How can I give more value to this person? But it's not really about that, right? It's about human connection. So I, I, I run a sales job. So I want to be, you know, as friendly as possible to the person without thinking about, can I get something in return? How can I get more fees out of this person? Right. So, you know, for all the business people out there, they're probably thinking what's, you know, that, that is mumbo jumbo. But the thing is, you know, cause they have to, you know, hit those quotas. Right. So obviously, but I think, you know, when you build that human connection, you can actually create, you know, a, a business relationship at the same time. I mean, that's even better because that's a long lasting relationship rather than looking at just numbers and say, okay, yes, 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 no, you know, to these per people. So, you know, I think that, you know, we, we, we just become way too logical in our thinking that, uh, you know, we don't, we don't really show ourselves. We don't not, we're not genuine enough to other people so that, you know, and expose ourselves to let other people like us or hate us. It doesn't matter. But to me, it's like showing who I am is a lot more important than, you know, faking myself for that extra money, if you know what I mean. I, I think you're right, because actually people can tell when it's when, when people can sense it, they can feel it when it's not authentic, when it's not real. And I think you're right. There's a lot of transactional um, relationships. Um, and but when somebody genuinely feels like, you know, you care about me and I can care about you, it's a win-win. Um, you know, we have all these terms, win-win, um, how to be positive. Actually, it, 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 these are very deep spiritual truths about loving yourself and loving another. Um, and, and when we honor ourselves and honor another person, they feel listened to, valued. You know, it's the same way uh, when somebody tries to close somebody on a deal and, you know, I mean, they, they don't even really care about the person or if they need it. They just know, you know, I'm going to close you because I'm a good salesperson and then I go away. Okay. You can play that game, but that's, I guarantee you, um, you think, oh, I made a lot of money this month and this year and this year. But then I want to talk to you about how are you feeling inside? How is your heart, your mind, and yourself? And some people can be cut off from that. You know, they can just be cut off from their emotions and their soul. But they become very superficial. They become very hardened. And I would suggest you're missing out on so much of life when you do that. Yes, there are some people who will go through life that way. And they'll be fine because they don't know anything more. It's the same way as, as maybe when you just eat certain foods and, and, and you think, well, that's the way it is. That's what I grew up with, you know, eating meat and potatoes and corn, boom, boom, boom. But then you started eating some other different foods from other friends and, and you go, I, I never knew sushi would, could be good. I mean, I always thought sushi was something silly, or I never knew, um, you know, this, this food. And, and our palate is expanded. Our food palate is expanded. And I think that's also spiritually in life the same way. Uh, life is rich with so many different dimensions. It's so much more than just um, money and, you know, some type of material items you have.
Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, I I totally agree with that. And I think that everybody thinks that happiness is something that that falls upon you, or it's like a something the kind of goal that you try to achieve. But you know, when you're really present, you really do understand that there's a lot of things that you know create, can create happiness. Even small five minute conversations with a random person can create that kind of happiness in everyday life. And I think that. It's the aggregation of those small happy moments that gives you that fulfillment in life, and I think a lot of people forget that and say, I, "I if I make a million bucks, I'll be happy," or if I get on the front page news on you know because I become rich and famous or something, you know that gives them happiness, or you know if I get that huge amount of bonus at the end of the year, I'll be happy. It's not something far away. That creates you happiness. It's the everyday thing that you're present and you're enjoying life. That that what makes you happy. And I think a lot of people don't know that. And I, I don't think that you know. I don't know if religion actually teaches teaches you that 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 creates happiness. But I feel that that's always kind of missing from everybody's mind. And you say, okay, I'm just gonna live to the week, uh, live for the weekends, or I'm gonna live for that vacation, and I'm just gonna suffer all the way until then. And I just feel like you're just missing out the entire, like, the, you know, like ninety percent of your waking life is misery until you get that vacation, or you know, five days of the week you're in misery until you get that weekend. I mean, that's such a waste of life. But I and I do think, in fact, all of our major religions do speak about that. They speak about the sense of, of, of a being connected to the divine and that which is so much more than material things. And and you know, part of it is when I was in my twenties, I was so I wanted to get out of college. I wanted to go to LA. I wanted to you know, and and I because I was so driven because I was so insecure inside of myself. I didn't have any self confidence. I mean, I had self confidence as a performer, but I I didn't believe in myself enough, and I sought other people's affirmation, and so I was out there wanting to prove myself, you know, and and becoming successful. And and boy, those are that's so fleeting. Um, I I remember talking to this famous actor. He, had, I mean, I'm 23 and he is 66, my age. <laughs> and 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 I remembered asking him, well, now you're at the height of you're at the height of your life. It, you've got to be just like happy. And he looked at me kind of with saddened eyes, and he said, you know, once I got here, it wasn't what I thought it was. <laughs> It was more fun on the journey. I mean, here he was, and he had all the money, but he had been divorced a couple times. He, you know, he just people, transactional people wanted to be around him because he had a lot of money and influence. He didn't really know who his really friends were. And and it, his life, he was living by himself. And it, oh, it just, uh, it was part of the reason why I, I I started seeking a life. And, you know, I mean, people can be salespeople, people can be business people, but you look at any, I think of people who have flourished, people in their 60s, and those are people who said, I loved what I was doing. I found meaning in my life. You know, people who are happy. I always, when I was in my 35, I finally started, you know, seeking this. And I sought some people who were older, older men who would mentor for me and, and who had greater wisdom because I wanted to learn from them. Because when I was 28, I thought I knew everything because <laughs> I was pretty arrogant, you know, kind of in that way. But I realized as I got a little older, gee, um, I, I want to listen. I want to, to learn from others. Yeah, I, I totally really um, value what your, you know, senior said at that point when you said I enjoyed the journey more, uh, you know, than my achievement at the end. And I think that that's that really speaks to exactly what I was saying is if you don't enjoy the moment up until you get there, you can't look back and say I enjoy the whole thing. I'm super happy. Right. Because, you know, in a way he didn't enjoy the way up there either in some way, right? Because, you know, he got divorced and he was alone and all that stuff. And once he got there, he had all this money influence, but he's not happy. And it's just very, in a way, I hate to say it like this because it sounds a little disrespectful, but, you know, it's kind of a typical, you know, like uh, Uncle Scrooge kind of thing, right? Because he's rich, but he's like lonely. And you don't want to be like that. And, and I think that in order for you to really, you know, uh, 
not be that person or I would say like to try to really seek happiness is in every day you try to find something that you could be happy about and you have to seek for that and I just feel like that 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 is really some if everybody feels happy in everyday life why can't you be happy with other people too all right and you speak about the polarization and all these things if you can't find happiness in your everyday life of course you're not going to be nice to other people as well because you're not happy all right so i feel like that that is something that we should strive for every day is like let's just live today like it's you know i wouldn't say like it lasts but like that, that means something every day means something you know not not i'll suffer today but i'll happy be happy tomorrow kind of mindset and uh so now yeah, go ahead go ahead no i just think i think you're right and i mean it's it's easy to say and it's hard to do for all of us um you know, maybe and especially type A personalities, people who are more driven and, and it's good to be driven. It's good to have, you know, things that you want to you want to achieve, you want to try to do and and live, you know, and have something exciting that you're looking to. But but if you're always looking to the future and not just enjoying today, yeah, then it's like um, you're missing out. You're missing out. So and, and it's interesting because, you know, Jesus spoke so much about this. And, and I think. First off, I'll go back a little bit and, and to say, um, you know, and you made reference to this, that that Jesus, his teaching, he had no intentions of starting a whole new religion, right, of Christianity. That was Paul and the writers who then shaped Jesus's teachings into a religion. Jesus was about helping people come to understand that the kingdom of God is at hand. And so when they would ask him about, oh, the hereafter, and, and you know, that, and, and so much of Christianity, at least, people are like, well, you have to get saved um, to go to heaven. Like, heaven is the most important thing. And and I'll always say, well, let's, you're, you're focusing on the teachings of the church, but if you look at Jesus' teachings, he said, the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God, the translation is within you. And when he would do the Lord's prayer, that thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That the kingdom, which was heaven on earth, the kingdom was goodness and love and beauty and joy. He was saying, it's here. Don't focus so much on the afterlife, which is honestly, none of us know what's there. We know out of our own faith, and we have faith and hope for that. But I would say it's even more is that Jesus and Buddha and the teachings of all the great teachers were saying, enjoy the present, the kingdom. Open up that you can create heaven or create hell on earth. And some people do create hell on earth. You know, they, they've had experiences, unfortunately, terrible experiences in their life, and they've just gotten so stuck in those that they've never wanted to grow uh, to maybe through counseling or reading or coaching to come, and, and they get stuck in the pain and the brokenness in their life, and they just stay there, and they don't move beyond. And so part of uh, the spiritual journey, walking the enlightened path, is about opening ourselves up to learning to letting go of some of the past, bringing healing, and being present in the moment. So I think that's, um, I just appreciate your whole comment about happiness, and, and this is a spiritual truth, I think, about being aware of the presence of um, God's presence here. Yeah, I have nothing really to add to that. And I think it's a great way to close this show because, yeah, again, this is exactly what I really thought that is, is the, you know, the truth in, in a way that we are actually here, not because of trying to go to hell or heaven or anything. We're actually here and, and we only know what's life is here. And if you don't make this life a, a heaven, then we don't even know where we're going to. So if you don't make this heaven, there's no point. 
So, you know, I think that this is, you know, a, a really enlightening you know, conversation that I had with you. I really thank you very much for your time. And once I go through the book, I would love to have a chat with you uh, on more deeper topics uh, that you write about. So thank you very much for your time today. Well, thank you. And, you know, The Peacemaker's Path, Multi-Faith Reflections to Deepen Your Spirituality. You can get that on Amazon or Broadleaf. Uh, you can go to my website, jerryzare.com. And if you want to contact me, there's a way to contact me. I'd love to, any of your listeners, if they want to uh, more conversation, uh, if people want me to, to do speaking uh, and do Zoom calls with groups. I, I love talking about this. I think this is important. I want to help people find ways of being peacemakers and bringing unity and healing. And so any way that uh, any of your listeners who uh, can use me as a resource and, and or my book, please do. Thank you uh, for and the work you're doing. Um, I, I hope that uh, people have enjoyed this conversation and I look forward to future conversation with you as well. Thank you very much. Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening all the way to the end. If you had enjoyed or disliked the show, please let me know in the comment section. I can only improve or add value to you through your voices. If there are any topics that you'd like me to pick up, please let me know in the comment section as well. I'd love to start chatting with you. And if you'd like to continue listening to the show, please subscribe. Thank you.